UFOs, Bigfoot, paranormal input. Go ahead now, get mystical. Mystery and magical. UFOs, not typical. Bigfoot, not typical. You ask me why I'm skeptical. I say questions are questionable. Is the truth alien to you? Alien to get my message through. Aliens might message you. Aliens are sliding through. The wild signal will fly to two. Algorithms they find is true. Typical. Skeptic. Shut Got no time for no petty germs, pandemic, a pandemic turn, horror still in Amityville, Bayonet in Gettysburg, Mothman, TNT, Factory, Red Eyes, Loki, Dogman, Howling in the Street, I'm typically skeptic of what I see, Voodoo Hoodoo in New Orleans, Thunderbird, Swamp Thing, is it real, I was wondering, typical, skeptic, show, typical, skeptic, show, Hey guys, welcome back to the Typical Skeptic channel. I have a really familiar a guest that you guys really liked and you told me to have back. I have with me Ola Wolny of Self Mastery Quest. People have been raving about her, honestly, and I see why, because her knowledge is really amazing, what she brings to the table. And what she's going to be talking about today is really going to blow your mind. We're going to be talking about a land in Norway called Hyperborea, and she's going to explain a little more about that. And we're also going to be talking about the moon deception, which I think goes a little bit more into like the reincarnation and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. buckle up, it's going to be awesome. And a little bit more about my guest. She's an esoteric researcher and she does consultations. She does readings for people. She does astrology. Um, you can book her sessions at uh, selfmasteryquest.com. And I want to give her a big welcome to the show. Ola, thank you for coming back on my show. How are you? Thank you so much, Robert. Thank you for having me back. And thank you so much for this welcome. I don't know if I can uh, live up to it, to be fair. Um, a Hyperborea in Norway. I absolutely would love that to be true. Um, for now, it is a hypothesis. Um, but uh, this is something I would like to explore today. Um, something that I came across in a very interesting way. I happen to live in the Arctic um, as far as as far up north as it kind of gets. Um, and we have an area here called Lufoten. Um, these are these are islands. Um, I think that some of you might have heard about them. They are on the UNESCO list of um, well, the most beautiful places in the world. And they absolutely, um, they absolutely would blow your mind. This area is absolutely exceptional. It's amazing. Um, I think that many people, when they come here or when they see pictures, they don't believe that this is the Arctic, that we are in the Arctic Circle. We are in the northern Norway. We are in a country where, or in the area where we have, um, you know, the days going on for 24 hours, the nights going on for 24 hours, and it's cold. Um, not not all the time, but it is quite cold. And the the landscape, the beaches are just like the Caribbean. Wow. But it's Arctic temperatures or what, what's the temperature like there? Well, you, you see, we, we happen to be quite lucky here because we get the Gulf Stream. Um, so, so we get the influence from, from the sea and it kind of raises the temperature quite a bit. Is that um, the same Gulf Stream that's in like the United States and Florida? That's right. So it got it climbs all the way up here. So obviously we were in Europe. So it goes all the way from you guys up here and it sort of draws all the, the warm waters um, our way. And thanks to thanks to that, we have quite an acceptable um, conditions up here. Um, so I live uh, at around 68 degrees north um, or to the center, whatever you prefer. <laughs> and you um, go by Celsius there, or is it go, does it go by temperature, like or Fahrenheit? Is because like for example here it's seventy seven degrees right now, but how would you? Is it the same? Do you go by that kind of? So, so you guys, you guys do the the Fahrenheit. We do the Celsius, and um, the the temperature sort of in the winter, um, it can be around minus ten, minus five Celsius. Okay, so so I I'm not sure was that in Fahrenheit, um, and in the summer we can get the twenties, we can get the thirties, but it's not going to be a long time, um, but we can we can get a bit of a summer here, so that's beautiful. But most of the time we are kind of sitting in the, you know, in the 8 to 12 zone um, on a good day. So it is a bit of a different climate. But if you go inland, 
that's the that's a different story and it gets really really cold so you can get minus 30 minus 40 easily easily um and a lot of snow wow. so you gotta like snow <laughs> yeah we have that here where i'm from i live in pennsylvania and we get a lot of snow here but what you found about this area is really interesting it might be a land where the gods once were or what we think of them might be the gods and we have pictures that we're going to show everybody in a, in a little mm. bit of some cave drawings that you actually found too can you talk about this the mysteriousness of this area and what you were able to find Sure. Uh, so, so this is where this is where it gets really, really interesting because you see, I've been living up here for um, five years. I moved up here from south of Norway, um, and so I live about three, four hours from the the place that I'm going to be talking about. And I have been drawn to that place for about two, three years. To a, and and you know it, it's not a, it's not a quick drive. We're talking fjords, and and this is not motorways here. Um, so, so it's not a, it's not the quickest drive. And I've been going there as often as I can. And you see that place is just there's something magical about it. The energy is off the charts. It's it's a totally different landscape. It's you you can feel that something there is very very special when you're in that area the energy is heightened your senses are heightened you can literally i think your psychic senses are also heightened i'm quite sensitive to to energy myself so i've been picking up on that um pretty much straight away and it's just been drawing me back um for for the past two years and uh, at some point, I started kind of asking, well, hold on a minute. It must be more than just a tourist attraction, right? Just just people coming to see Lofoten. And I started researching a little bit in this area. And it's, you know, it's quite funny, right? Because I, I uh, for, for the people who have seen me before, I do quite a lot of research in ancient scriptures and um, connect the dots on a lot of things. And here I am living on a gem and I didn't know. So, so yeah, this I, is amazing. And I think to, to, to follow up with what you just said, the people that might have not saw your last episode, you came from the oil and gas industry, which is right. a big different thing than esoteric research. But then you dug deep into esoteric research and you're originally from Poland. So you were drawn to this place in Norway. Do you think it was fate that you ended up here? Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. It's been, it must have been fate. I must have been guided up here. Um, my background is oil and gas, but I kind of, I, I, I had a bit of a two lives going on. So, you know, the official life, which was the oil and gas, and I've always been into the um, occult, esoteric, um side of things so i've always um looked into into research but you know it, it's not really something that you want to brag about around the conference table in oil and gas meetings so you know nobody knew um and uh, at some point it's just it's just became clear that you know the oil and gas stuff it's just it's just not for me anymore and i've been kind of detoured onto these things um purely so that's what i've been doing for the past um few years and um, here I am in this location. Like I said, I moved from south, uh, from south of Norway. Um, and I started um, looking into the, the local mythology, uh, into the, uh, the legends um, and, and stories that were quite often um, passed between the locals. Um, so, so oral tradition. Um, just the folklore. Uh, some of it is obviously written, but then you have to speak Norwegian. And I came across this, this story, uh, obviously going to Lofoten, I've come across information that there are certain caves in the area with very, very interesting drawings. Drawings of um, figures, some kind of beings, um, looking, looking kind of human-like, so legs and, and arms, but on the head, they had some kind of horns, and they only had nine fingers so this is the uh this is this this is the picture of such figures that on the uh, on the um on the left you have the uh the, the red uh, figure that comes directly from uh from the cave so as you can see it has nine fingers and it has kind of horns on the on the head 
and um, on the other side, it's just uh, it's just um, a drawing or a, or a picture of um, something that they were trying to compare it. So so obviously the archaeologists were called in and they were looking into that. So we're talking we're talking uh, already uh, quite a distant um, past. This is not a new discovery. Um, however, obviously this was this was very interesting find um, because this is the place itself is on an island at the end of Lufoten. So Lufoten as, um, as a place, they kind of reach out, it's a, it's a um, chain of islands, and they reach out into the uh, Norwegian Sea and out to the west. So, so this cave specifically is sort of at the end of the, of the, uh, of the, of, of the whole chain. And the story goes that what you see in those caves, those those drawings on the wall, which which show two figures, bigger, quite 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 significant, and other figures smaller, also kind of human like, but but much smaller. And the story, the legends, the um, uh, the the mythology tells us that um, there was some kind of sacred union that took place uh, on that island. The island is called Treniken. Um, and anybody can look it up where it is. There was some kind of um, sacred union that took place. And this is where it gets interesting because the legends say that the union was between the earthlings, and that was uh, the, the female, and some kind of extraterrestrials. Wow. And you see the, uh, the stories, the story goes that... Um, these were representatives, the extraterrestrials were representatives from Alcyon, from the Pleiades. Wow. While, while the, 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 the woman, uh, the sort of the earthlings, as, as they are um, called, these were the people of that local area called Utrust. So at that time, these people were kind of quite an advanced civilization on their own. So this is the sacred union that took place. And as a result of that union, obviously, um, it wasn't just the two people. It was it was the whole um, tribe from each side. And as a result of that, sort of half gods, as they called them, were born. You know what? This is amazing because this is another like this is like the Sumerian story of the Anunnaki right. where they create humans but like this is a, a tale that's told all over the world like I talked to Paul Wallace from uh the fifth kind <laughs> he talks about like all these different cultures have this story of like us either interbreeding with extraterrestrials or okay. them having some kind of something to do with our genetics so do you believe do you think this is true as well yeah absolutely because this is this is exactly what uh, what these legends also say and um you see this is this is where the link to the ancient greek um ancient greece is is made because ancient greeks said that gods um were sort of real beings these, these were not myths this is not mythology they were real beings um, who descended from heaven and married the earthlings and if you look into the bible right i mean in the bible it says that the the son of uh, the sons of gods uh, lived with um uh, daughters of men and had children with them right so this is the same story so what is really the story and when you think about it um, in the in the Greek uh, mythology, in all pretty much mythologies, the myth is the same. There is a god of heaven, for example, Uranus, right? Yeah. Marrying the earth goddess Gaia and having children together. So, so the myth obviously uh, sort of gives it a little bit of a story that the the god of heaven and the the, the, the goddess of of the earth. But could it be as simple as a representative? of some kind of race that came from heaven. That's why it's a God of heaven, right? God from heaven, not of heaven. And a, not, not so much a, god, a goddess of uh, the earth, as much as a woman from earth yeah. came together. And as a result of that union, children were born. Because you see, in this story, um, the, the, the information um, seems to point that 
um, the, the people, the extraterrestrials, they pretty much had our features. They were, um, uh, they were tall, they were light skin, the, the hair were, was blonde, blue eyes, the skull or the face was pretty long. And obviously the, the, the humans kind of looked like humans, but they also had very, very special um, features about them. They were not aging. They were immune to illnesses. Um, they also had some kind of ability to, to sort of move around and um, disappear in one place and, and reappear in another. They had very, very strong psychic abilities. And that, those kind of skills or, or traits, they were passed on onto the children. So the people of that area, uh, as the legends say, they were the half-gods. They were of the godly descendants. Do you think this is where the, the where they get the, the the stories of the Nordic type ETs? They say Nordic extraterrestrials. Um, in the in the ufology lore, they say that there's like Nordic extraterrestrials, and they have blonde hair and blue eyes. And I think they even say like the Anunnaki also had blonde hair and blue eyes. And then you see this passed on because the people from your area or that area you're in are all like blonde hair, blue eyed type people right not all of them but oh that's a that's a big trait character trait right yeah i uh definitely the, definitely there is that um extraterrestrial um clear i think to to most of the people here um origin however would i would i say these were anunnaki um you see those horns on the head um, to me, this is pointing because Alcyon, Pleiades, this is constellation of Taurus. So are those horns on the head a symbol of the origin that they came from Taurus constellation, meaning from the Pleiades, from Alcyon? So if that's the origin, you know, are these Anunnaki? I, I, would, I would think that Anunnaki were of different origin. But... Yeah. but it, 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 it depends on who you talk to, but I know Billy sure. says that um, the Anunnaki could have been a group of different people from different races that came to Earth. So, but, but I think, I think honestly what happened is I think that I said this the other day that we've been messed with a lot, not, not messed yeah. with in a bad way, but I think our DNA has been tinkered with like many times. And I think, um, the the, the 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 our ancestors they tried to explain this the best way they could and they did it through mythology or what what uh researchers call mythology but it's not really mythology exactly exactly it's, like re, it's reality and but but we consider they consider it mythology and absolutely i, mm -hmm. I want to bring up another picture that you should i brought it up while you were talking here's the one of the i found this one that you sent me I thought this was a good representation because this one, if you could see where my mouse pointer is, it looks like this guy has like a, like a space helmet on. Yeah, but these are actually, so, so this is where I was going to, I was going to draw some parallels because these are not um, pictures from Norway. The, there were certain other drawings and cave, cave art found in, um, uh, in South America, in Mexico, in France. And the, just like, just like this example, the, the beings in those um, pictures, they also have nine fingers. Wow. So, so, so there is quite, it's quite interesting because you see this part of Norway, um, it is so far north and, and, and yet so far away from here, you find beings with similar, similar features. And, you know, if you look at the, um, at this sort of trident that you can see under this um, person or being, uh, I don't know if you can, if you can point at it, uh, Rob. Right here, right here. Right. So you see, this is this is a very interesting piece because um, the island here in Norway, um, where that cave is located, is called Treniken, which is actually called Trident. That's that's what that's that's the Trident. And if you if you show one of the one of the other pictures with the the three sort of peaks, um, uh, the island with um, three. I can go through them. We, 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 this we did we see this one yet? I don't know if we saw this one yet. That's just another image of the being or whatever. Right. Um, and that was that. Here's here's the islands right here. Oh, it, it shows the 
is this is this what you were talking about right here this so 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 you see wherever you see those red um uh, beans this is the location of the other caves in the area where similar drawings have been found wow. so this is so not a one off oh, this sorry. is not a one off this is this is like all over the area here and and down south about 1000 kilometers um down south from this place Oh, do you want me to keep going through the pictures? Yeah, if you if you can just jump maybe to this island with those here, this one. Oh wait, uh, this one right here. Perfect. Yeah. So you see, this is the island called Treniken, which means trident, and you see also crown. Um, you see there are three peaks here, and this is the, hence the name. And they called it the trident, and then you see that trident in a picture of similar beings, but that, that's not from Norway. That picture that we just looked at when I asked you to point at the trident, that actually comes from Mexico. Wow. So how do, how do they know? So <laughs> what, what are the odds of you know drawing something similar, right? Yeah, so have can... they been here? Have they been moving? Have they been traveling? This 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 becomes the conclusions where you know that other researchers have brought to that with the, these beings whoever they were maybe they were Pleiadians maybe Anunnaki that they came all over the you know yeah. I, I think that the 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 uh, the astrology or what not the astrology but the uh, the the Taurus symbol related to it that I think that definitely points to the stars that this was that they were beings from somewhere else. But I also think that, like you just like you said, that this was interrelated. That these beings were going all over this this world, all over the you know from Mexico to Norway to the yeah. United States. Um, it, this is amazing stuff. I can't believe this is a huge find. This is a this is really I'm I don't even know what to say. Like I know <laughs> we talked about this before, but I'm just as excited now while we're doing this this is i'm just like wow this is this is like confirmations you know this is exactly what that is it's confirmations that something definitely happened right well let me let me tell you more because you see um it's it's also quite interesting when you look into the earthlings that were involved there and this is this is where it gets um this is where it gets quite um i would say mind-blowing because there are certain facts pointing to those white people being of all the way um, of Aryan descent or Aryan race, meaning the ones who came from the um, India at the time. And that is not just a hypothesis. If you look at the chronicles from all the way from 14th century through these centuries, um, there are stories and there are articles by historians written confirming that, yes, the original inhabitants of this area were the Aryans from India. So they migrated, some of them basically took a trip and came and landed all the way here. And the Aryans were supposedly the, the, the blue-eyed, uh, light hair, light skin, etc. And this is the same description of the people that, that um, were uh, sort of believed to be here. So, so do you think these Aryans were the ones that were intermixing with the extraterrestrials? Or do you think they were the extraterrestrials? Or do you think they were made to be... No, no, no. no. It's, it's, what it seems is that this union took place between the Earthlings, which would have been the Aryans... And some extraterrestrials, which would have been, well, like you say, maybe Anunnaki or the Pleiadians. The story here goes Alcyon, the Pleiades. So that's that's the story. That's I'm just I'm just sort of passing on what's the what the legend says. But you see where it gets really, really interesting is where you look into the um, Greek mythology and the Greek stories. And in Odyssey. Homer um, describes that uh, Odysseus took a trip and of course everybody is now doing research where did he go but it seems he, from from the description from the description of the currents from the description of the problems that he encountered and the landscape that he's seen we can actually match that to this local area 
we can actually match it. So it seems like he might have landed here um, on Treniken specifically. Wow. And there is another there's another uh, part to the to, to the whole story because you see the Greeks were talking about the the land of Hyperborea, right? That's how we know it, Hyperborea. So so those those three great civilizations, the Atlantis, Lemuria, and Hyperborea. And what does even what, what does Hyperborea means? So Hyperborea means beyond the north, beyond the north wind specifically. Um, so so some land far into the north. Well, that would that would fit right in terms of the in terms of the location. They also called this land land of bright nights, and that also Was fit. It land of what bright lights or bright nights? Bright, bright nights. Why would they say? Why can you explain? Why? Why do you know why they would say that? Be, be, because we have up here, um, we have the polar days. Oh, you have the twenty-four hours at night and twenty-four hours. That's at right. Day. That's, that's right. Oh, that's right. That's another confirmation, right? I I would believe so. And on top of that, obviously, in the in the winter or when it gets dark and it gets sufficiently cold, we get the northern lights. And the northern lights, they are so beautiful and so strong that, that sometimes, you know, you might call that the, the, the light, the, the sky is on fire. So, so there is light in the sky, right? So is that also what they might, might have meant, land of bright nights? Because it's, it was such a bright, beautiful light in the, in the sky. And I wanted to ask you, I had a question real quick. I, I don't mean, I don't want to get your thoughts off track, but I just was thinking about the energy of the area. And the healing properties, like, are people yeah. in this area, do you think they're living longer? Or like, what, what are your thoughts on the energy of the area? And like the, and do you want to tackle that later? Or do you, do you want to talk about No, that? sure, we can, we can, we can talk about it. I, I'm not sure about people living um, longer. I've not even looked into that. But fair point, I could, I could have a look into that. Um, but for sure, people here in Norway, and specifically Northern Norway, are very, very close to the nature very close to the nature and they spend a lot of time out uh, in the outdoors and of course you can say well you have such a beautiful country so they walk around a lot but it's more than that it, there is some kind of connection that they have with the nature they are absolutely in love with their country you would not believe it's really really hard to to get a norwegian out of norway they are really really feeling that connection with the country which i believe is something more than just you know some kind of patriotic <laughs> connection yeah. i think it is much deeper because i'm not from here and i'm in love with this place i cannot leave i i you know when i moved here five years ago i was given it a year to a year and a half and then i was thinking i'm gonna be out because this is the end of the world and i'm still here five years on and i absolutely love it i That's love amazing. it and you have the stone circles there too remember i was telling you about the stone circles in africa absolutely this is another confirmation in my mind because you have stone circles in Africa and supposedly the Anunnaki were in Africa, but then you have stone circles in Norway and they both, they both might have healing properties, number one, but number two, this is another area where we're talking about now where these beings, whoever they are, might have mm -hmm. visited. And why did they build these stone circles, you know? And, you know, what's interesting is Michael Tellinger does tours on those stone circles and he says there's healing power, powers in them. I right. can't confirm or deny that. But it's just so interesting that like these megaliths and these uh, stone circles were built. And I think this adds a little bit more mysteriousness to this whole story because it's linking places where they're saying that these beings were. You have the story of the, the, the mythology of them coming here from Norway. And then Michael Tellinger has it. Uh, well, everybody knows about the Anunnaki being in Africa. So that's just, I think that's just a weird, that's not just a coincidence, I don't think. No, I, I don't think so either. You see, when you when you ask me about the healing properties, I absolutely believe that this land is healing. It is. I, I don't believe it. I know that because I've been, um, I've been going to those places, those powerhouses, those energy centers myself. And honestly i i've not felt better and and i'm talking not just not not just the body the sort of physical but but the emotional that you know that inner peace it's absolutely amazing i i cannot describe it i i literally cannot describe it i think any everybody should literally feel it for for themselves as for the circles specifically 
well this is where it um this is where it gets interesting because i looked into that and you see in greek mythology um they were talking about hyperborea and apollo and and some of the other gods spending some time in hyperborea so where is hyperborea well this is this is where that description of bright nights comes from and he so supposedly apollo the sun god would come to hyperborea and spend about three months in the year here if you look at his temples at his temple in delphi there are stone it's a stone circle oh my god I it's a stone that. circle yes and yes we have stone circles here um we have them even further down south um in norway but yes there are stone circles in this area in scandinavia and and like you say in other places too you know what somebody but, told me once somebody said uh, I, i watched a documentary somebody said that all these stone circles could have been like some kind of technology that they left behind right. in the past that they could have been activated maybe it was like an energy uh mechanism or you know it's it's very strange it's very but uh, what are your thoughts no definitely i i would i would definitely go into into believing that you know our our understanding of um how things work is very very limited and i don't really think that we have even understood um the powers that the earth has herself and i don't you, you see this place where one of those powerhouses power centers are here it's a mountain um it looks like a pyramid um and it is actually located in an area which is kind of like a big crater so so there's mountains sticking out from every angle around it so that in itself looks a little bit like a half circle because because from the other side it's open to the sea it's a half circle of mountains kind of sticking out um each peak sticks sticks out kind of like those um uh, circles like the stone circles um i I can send you a picture of that afterwards. Yeah. Okay, I was wondering if we had it because I was going to show it, but that's, we, that's so cool. It's uh it's it's absolutely crazy, you see, because with Apollo being the sun god, the interesting thing is that here a lot of places in Lofoten um have connection to the sun. So the names there is an island just on the way to 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 what I'm describing which is called um Soloi which is the sun island one of the places that are for sure they it used to be a sort of holy place place of worship place of cult um Svolvar uh and that means in itself the place of light wow the place of the sun That's so amazing. so so what where, where is all this sun connection coming from yeah so so you see apollo the sun, the, the the sun god right he used to come to hyperborea are we in hyperborea here is this the old hyperborea are we living am i living in you know in the land that used to belong to to that to that land or or maybe that's what that's where it was because there's there's really really a lot of um evidence pointing to that uh, including you see including the fact that um in the in this sort of religion or spirituality of these people um uh, that were, that I'm talking about right this the, the descendants of the the earthlings looks like aryans and the the extraterrestrials pleiadians or whoever they were um in the spirituality that they had or the spirituality that, that was brought by the aryans there is a mysticism to it and some kind of oriental accents so it's absolutely clear that this came from somewhere somewhere else right somewhere closer to the middle east the same the same accents are um you can you can see in the druids Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you think about the names of like the Anunnaki, if you think of like Enki and Enlil, those sound kind of like um Norwegian. Enki doesn't sound like a Middle Eastern name. It sounds more like a Norwegian name. Maybe I I, I don't know. You know, it, it just sounds a little um when I was when I heard the names before, I was like that sounds like something. When I heard the word the name Enki, I was like, well, I know he has mm -hmm. other names too, but that sounded like a more um 
European name. Maybe I'm wrong on that one. I'm not sure. But um, I just think this was all connected for sure. And I think you're, you're drawing really amazing conclusions here. I'm sorry. Uh, no, no, no. It's it's very, very good um, observation. I, I, I think it's hard for me to say whether those names sound Norwegian. I mean, I know the Norwegian names and they are probably a little bit different, but, you know, we're talking thousands of years back, who knows? Yeah. Um, but also, I, uh, you know, some of the interesting things, um, as you know, the, uh, the Indian, the Vedas, right? Um, so, so the mythology and, and, and those sacred um, scriptures, that's the, the Vedas. But here in Norway, the Old Norse mythology manuscripts are called Edda. So how far is Edda from Veda? Right. So, so that uh, to me, that that again um, proves that perhaps these people, the Earthlings, the original um, Earth people here, came from India. So they were the Aryans, and then they met the Ple Pleiadians or whoever the extraterrestrials were. I'm just going by the myth as as it goes here locally. They met the extraterrestrials, and they obviously started um the sort of race of um titans yeah so and that's where you get the in the greek legend the titans versus the right they did i can't remember what the other side was but i want you made another conclusion when we were talking the other day off camera or we were on camera but you know we weren't recording it about right. um ashura and assyria i think that was was that what you and you talked about the migration how they went from one and it sounded similar it was like assyria and ashura was that was that what you, do you remember with that yeah, yeah, we were we were talking. I think we were talking more on the um, on the Indian side of things, on the potentially Aryans or just the just what we find in the Vedas. So in the Vedas, obviously, in the story, we have the gods, the devas, and we have the demons. What about marketing, right? The asuras, asuras, and of course, you know, there was conflict between them at some point, and and as it is as a result of a conflict, one group gets kicked out. So the Asuras get kicked out and there's obviously um, uh, evidence of migration from India towards that Persian Gulf, that area there. And there we have an area called later Assyria, right? So is that the Asuras, Asuras moving from India that way? So I that's, that's, so. You know, they, that's what we talked about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah, for sure. For sure. And you see, this is, I think it goes back to, to the fact that uh, pretty much in every um, mythology, every geography, there is always, there always seems to be two groups and they always fight with each other, right? I mean, obviously in my story, this is a story of how, how the civilization was brought to being, but overall, um, there is always either the, the uh, Anunnaki and Tiamat, right, in, in the Babylon, or in Vedas, you have the gods and the Asuras. So, so always two groups fighting with each other. And it's quite in, interesting. the Anunnaki, remember, they fought with the Ajiji. Remember, the Ajiji were working for the Anunnaki, but then they decided to stop doing the work. And mm. um, they, they put down their tools, and then they had a you know, they went to Enlil's compound and they said, we don't want to work anymore. So that was kind of like the same thing. There was like the Gigi, the lower class gods. And then there was the Anunnaki who were the higher class gods and they fought. They were were arguing with one another, but there was still, like you said, two classes of gods, it seemed like, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's back to uh, Enuma Elish, right? Where the whole, the whole poem starts with Tiamat, Tiamat being in conflict with the Anunnaki, so so I, I and, and Tiamat being called the the mother of Anunnaki. So are we talking a conflict within the same race? Are we talking conflict between you know did they were, were they not able to 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 get along at some point and they split? I think there is a lot of um, uh, but that's probably for another program. There is a lot of information and and sort of evidence pointing to the conflict happening between the feminine line and the masculine line. I agree. I agree. It's it's interesting. It's that's really I never thought of that before. I like that. 
Um, uh, I was going to say, should we show more? Did you want to show more pictures of the, the area? Sure. Or, let me see if I can pull it up here. Let me I'll do share screen. And oh, it's right here. Okay. Uh, so this, uh, we were at that one and we saw this one. This is the area you're talking about, right? Right. So, so you see the, the mountain there at the back, that mountain is called Olsten. And this is one of those power centers. This is one of the power centers. It's a, it's a mountain with some kind of um, energy. Um, and this whole area, this whole area seems to have very, very strong healing um charging energy you see you have to you have to kind of look a little bit into the into the the story of Lufoten because um Lufoten just off the of the shores of Lufoten we have the uh, the biggest deep water reef in the world and we have amazing uh, type of fish and and there's just kind of something special because you see there's only so much that people can talk about but when you see that um, evidence in nature that the place is really really special then that's something else and and the locals I would yeah. love to live here. And this looks like a, a nice, quaint little village. I mean, I would love that. I'd give my left hand to go live, to live here. I know that's a crazy saying, but no, I mean, it seems like a really beautiful, amazing mm -hmm. area. And I can sense the energy from it. I'm getting a good resonance from it. Like I resonate with this area, but me in particular, I have a, I, I resonate with this area a lot. It seems like a, a really beautiful place. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, those those power centers, there are three that they are talking about in those legends. This is one of them. The other one being the island Treniken, where this sacred union took place. And the, the third one being uh, Svolver, so that city um, of the sun. And Svolver has a very, very interesting, perhaps we can show, um, a very interesting mountain there. Um, in is this the way, the one or wait? Let me see. If you keep if you keep going, we'll find it. Is that it? No, that's that's not the one. That's also in the area. Oh, is that it? No, that's not that one. Just keep going. I'll tell you. I, that's all I have. I, I would have to go back. Then, then go the other way. Yeah. Let me, let me go back to our. Let's see if I can pull up the other pictures. There's these ones too. Yeah, it's the it's the one at the. At oh the... my god, that looks insane! <laughs> that looks so beautiful. Holy so, shit. So that's that's the Northern Lights over um, sort of another part of the same village that you just saw uh, in the other picture. And the mountain at the back, that's a very interesting mountain, you see, because I used to think it's a mountain. It was absolutely hypnotizing. That experience for me was unreal. I felt like this mountain is calling me. And at the time, that was, that was over a year and a half ago, um, I... I wasn't even aware of the of the giant trees, of the of, of those those sort of trees of Eden as they call them. And I was talking to a friend of mine at the time, and who was also um, into this kind of research. And he told me, send me send me the picture of this place. And he tells me this is not a mountain. This is a petrified tree. Oh my God! It's a tree. This is a cut down petrified um, giant tree, one of those that you guys have um, in America. And they, they are pretty much all over the world. But of course, you know, the, the narrative does everything for people not to see the, uh, the forest through the trees, right? So, so th this mountain is just literally next, um, well, across the, across the fjord from that energy center. So this village, this whole area, it's a absolutely beautiful amazing place um and i think a lot of tourists come just for the sites and they have no idea what what they are looking at um but this is one of those um trees amazing wow. um should we i'll keep going through some of the pictures you sent me here that wow that's another amazing picture wow that, that's another shot um uh, the mountain in the middle that kind of triangle pyramid that is that energy center that is one of those energy centers oh my god this place is i have to visit is this one of the seven wonders or i i i would strongly argue that yes it should be <laughs> i mean i love what they did with the bridge here i'm just, i mean just not to talk about architecture but like can you imagine living here and like going across that bridge like that would be so amazing like 
uh, this is just such a, a, a beautiful place and it's right by the sea. Like this is like breathtaking stuff. Like this is so uh, amazing. I don't even know how, I don't even, I'm, I didn't even look when you sent me these pictures, I looked through them. I thought I did, but then I didn't see these ones. So this is all like kind of new stuff for me. Like, um, should I keep going? Um, is this more of the area? <laughs> This one, you see, this one is that tree. That's the tree. Now you see it from a different perspective. So you see a little bit more of the of the texture and the structure. Um, so obviously it, it kind of um, on the, the top shows that it's been cut um, at an angle. Um, and um, yeah, that's what happened to those trees, right? So. Wow. I, you know what? This goes kind of into what um, Jason talks about from Archaics. I was... I mean, I've, everybody's been telling me to, I'm doing an interview with him tonight, but he, this is a little bit out of this topic, but I'll just tell you what he talks about. He talks about that there was a point in our, in our time where uh, humanity was under a vapor canopy, um, a, a vapor canopy. He means like, you know, like a vapor, a, a vapor. Uh -huh. where we, we didn't see the sun. This is an, like in the old books that he studies, you know, and um, basically this vapor canopy, he said, in this type of situation, things can grow to huge sizes. Like even the humans, he said the humans could have been huger. Uh, this could be this. I'm just saying this could be one reason why the trees were so big. And this could be a remnant of that time because this tree could be hundreds of thousands of years old or maybe maybe 9000 years old. Who knows? You know, I, I totally agree. And you see, I have I have kind of my own um, interpretation of those things. Um so, so I see uh, this sort of area where we are at, and, and by that I mean what we consider Earth. I believe that the true um, area is much bigger. And I believe that we live under some kind of biological capsule. Um, so basically... Like a matrix, like, right? Um, yeah, but I, I'm, I'm saying that I, I feel that the whole area, the whole planet, let's call it, right, is much bigger than what we are told. And what we consider Earth is just a part of that planet. And I believe that there is a capsule um, above us, whether that's a firmament or whatever we call it. But that capsule basically also controls the pressure. So when you put the pressure higher then obviously things underneath that capsule cannot grow that much. That's why we are the size we are and the, the, the trees that we see are the size that they are. But perhaps outside of that capsule, which would have been the original area that we are here now, the, the pressure is different. So the pressure would have been lower and things are much bigger in size. That's why we still find some remnants of some giants. Uh, perhaps they come from outside of the capsule. And the trees being so tall, perhaps, you, you know, the, the, it, it gives me a bit of a feeling of avatar, right? I mean, are we living in a world where this is a mixture of avatar and the matrix? <laughs> that, that, that seems like it, right? I, I strongly, I, I would, I would strongly suggest that there's something to it. I, I would too. I mean, it, I was just talking to, um, I said to someone on my show last night, um, he had a guest who, he interviewed where she he interviewed the person who originally made the script for the movie the matrix and the terminator right. and they actually he actually sued um uh, the wachowski well they're i guess they're brother yeah sisters brothers yeah but uh <laughs> he, he, he sued them and she sued and she it was a girl her name was sophia stewart she sued them and she said that she had this idea or that, that it came as a download or something in the 80s or something like that right. like that this, the, 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 what, what he said, my guess was he said that it, this idea is in the collective consciousness that we're in some kind of matrix. Like it's not right. just me or you. It's like, it seems like everybody has this kind of idea, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, there are those theories that kind of say that um, every now and then you see whenever there is some kind of technological advancement, some kind of jump, right, that, that, that we, we, we do as a not just a civilization, but more um, as, a, as a some kind of technological um, development. It seems that at the same time, people in even in different locations are coming up with the same idea, right? With similar ideas, with similar solutions. So how is that possible? How, how is such synchronicity possible? 
Well, it is possible if there is an information sort of injected into some information field and some people will download that information, right? I mean, you are, we're all trapped in. It's yeah, like the Akashic records are a real thing. Like so it's a it's an information, like you said, an information field, right? Yeah, I, I I'm not sure whether that is the Akashic field or whether that is just a part of something that you know it's almost like we are supposed to make that next step and things are being injected and then there will be people that will pick up on it. Is that how it works or is it really natural? I'm not sure. That's so interesting. Um, but what, for a couple of minutes, do you want to get into the moon deception? Do we have enough time to cover the moon deception real quick? Like, a, but maybe like yeah, you know, sure, we can, we can, we can jump there. I think we promised, so <laughs> we, we no, no, you know. don't have to. I mean, if you just want to talk a little bit about it, like you don't have to go, you know, because I know you probably don't have a lot of time, but I'd love to cover a little bit of it. Yeah, sure. So, so that's a, that's quite a quite a topic on its uh, on its own moon deception. You see, um, just just maybe for for um, a little bit of background, I do astrology as part of the the training because I believe that if you are dealing with ancient um, scriptures, if you are really really digging um, and trying to get the truth out of that um, uh, out of out of out of those resources. You need to have background in astrology, numerology, um, gematria, alchemy, etc. Because other, if you don't, then you do not have the depth to understand that. That's why I'm sorry, but um, I think that a lot of a lot of um, uh, even scholars they would fail for many many years to interpret certain things correctly, right? Because that that depth depth is not there. So so when you kind of marry some of the ancient texts with the um, astrological context. And, and by the way, my, the astrology I'm talking about is the sidereal Babylonian astrology. Um, sorry, my cat just joined. <laughs> so, so, um, um, so, so I have noticed that the events that are happening um, these days and, and for a long time, they they can be predicted using Babylonian astrology, specifically Babylonian astrology. And um, when you sort of draw parallels between what the texts are saying and what you can um, find out based on astrology, um, the conclusions are quite interesting. And uh, this is this is what happens with the moon, because obviously we know the moon as... Um, well, supposedly something that is so important. There is quite a strong cult of the moon, right? I mean, that there are rituals of the moon and women are um, sort of uh, told that they should be following the moon and and this is the feminine, this is the, the nurturing energy and it's so good for us. And of course, you know, I think that this is very, very uh, nicely done. Um, well, I must say deception because... In so many different um, ways, when you look at the moon, it is really, really trying to represent the feminine. For example, the, the feminine cycle, right? I mean, uh, the, the, the feminine cycle, 28 days connected to the lunar calendar and the, the fact that um, uh, the, the pregnancy, the duration of the pregnancy, 10 lunar months, 280 days, um, or 260, or 263 without uh, from, from the date of conception. So there is a lot of um, links between the moon and, um, well, women, right? Yeah. And, and if you if you look, for example, quite a lot of, I think, goddesses that um, are um, pictured with the horns, um, with the crescent moons. So they think that it's crescent moons. It's not crescent moons. Not if you dig into it and understand what what are those goddesses really, really wearing there. And you see you what I have um, discovered and seen is that the moon is imitating another planet. A planet that what it seems to me, the matrix construct and the zodiac construct um, were not able to hijack and manipulate to work for them. It is obviously 
planet that is part of the zodiac it is part of the um the the, the seven or 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 uh, all of them if you count the outer planets but it is a planet that's very very special and that's venus okay and the venus has always been linked to the feminine through the traditional lines through the feminine line through the um the oral tradition women in in the shamanic um uh, circles it wasn't it wasn't uh, moon that was worshipped it was venus maybe not worshipped but followed because there's a lot of like the cult of venus before i've heard the like the you know like in like i think maybe in wicca i might be wrong i, I don't want to mm-hmm. get there you know have you heard of this before wicca yeah like which wicca people who worship wicca it's like um uh, witches you know yeah 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 but i think that wicca also there is that link to the moon i uh i i i, I to be honest i don't really look too much into those things but um i i i, I was under the impression that the, the link was to to the moon as well but um maybe not um however the you see there is a lot of parallels between venus and the moon which seems to be used and exploited by the matrix um to sort of slip that that subconscious message into the, uh, the the consciousness of of the humankind of women specifically, um, because you see, for example, phases. Right? We all know phases of the moon. That's why when you see the crescent, you think, "Oh, that's the moon." But the truth is, Venus also has phases, and they are visible. They are visible. So, so the, those crescents are not moons. It's crescent phases of Venus. And before we had the patriarchy here, there was an era where women had much um, higher sort of standing and they were the shamans. They were the ones holding wisdom and there was much more um, intuition. Uh, that was the kind of standard standard, standard um, way of living and, and, and uh, making decisions in a society. So women had a totally different um uh, position and actually those things that we are now tracing to the moon we can easily trace to venus for example um the 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 number of days of pregnancy around 260 days this is the time um of venus as a morning star and evening star so this is part of the venus cycle the mayans were also tracking it so so when you look into the mayan calendar um and the uh and that astrology they have those 260 right in the talking they have 260 days there that is based on venus they were tracking venus and every single culture when you really look under the the deception of the moon was tracking venus not the moon why what here's the question from someone who doesn't i don't know anything about this this is something i i really but i just why is venus so special what is, do you think there's something there that we don't know about or that with it's something that draws us there or that, that we're well, supposed to draw us there or what, what do you think the venus is very very special in many ways um in pieces sophia the, the gnostic text um uh you can you can draw parallels because Sophia from from that text is basically it's a parallel to Venus, right? So so in that text, Sophia is really she belongs to different sort of levels, but she has been um, pushed and dropped between the aeons, which are not good, and the aeons are linked to the zodiac signs, right? So down to the zodiacs. So so the message from PC Sophia is that Venus is a planet which, yes, she's been caught into the matrix, she's been caught into the zodiac, but she re- she, she continues to represent the original design of the traits that she has. And she continues to try to pass the original messages to us. Have you heard about pentagram of Venus? So Venus, her movement is very, very specific. Every eight years, she um, uh, she goes around the sun 13 times and she draws a pentagram, a perfect pentagram every single time in the same place. How is that possible? How is she not, not special? And you see, um, this is where it gets kind of really, really esoteric because 
why is she so special and why did the patriarchy or the gods try to divert attention from Venus to the moon? Well, because moon is part of the matrix construct, part of the machine, the reincarnation machine, part of the machine that is trying to control the way we are, um, uh, well, being kept here, right? While Venus, in her movements, in the story that she's connected to, which is to do with her retrograde period, she is um, specifically trying to teach us about how to escape the matrix, how to escape from here. That's, that's amazing. So I think like there's a, a way we can escape. Like if, if we, once we depart this area, like do you still think we should go down or underground or under, or do you think when we go to the light, we go away from it maybe? It's, it's, it seems that when we go to the light, so we go up, right? I mean, that's, that's why we are told go to heaven, right? Everybody wants to go to heaven. heaven. So you're being programmed while you're alive to when you die you still remember you don't suddenly become enlightened and and know all the answers your consciousness is still at the same place so when we die we're being programmed go go to heaven go up go to the light right well that's where the reincarnation machine is waiting for you yeah and and so so would venus through the story of inanna descend to the underworld um, and that's probably for another program to go into that. Um, so, so this story is specifically, it's a parallel to um, the, the movement, the retrograde movement of Venus and the, the conjunction that she makes with the sun. When she becomes invisible, meaning she descends to the underworld because she becomes invisible under the, um, in the beams of, of the sun and she, she sort of disappears under the horizon. And then she comes back. She's born again. She reappears on the other side. So this is the story that tells us that um, the dying and what happens after death, you go down. Wow. You go, and you see, when you think even about what, what we started this whole conversation from, Hyperborea, right? This, this whole story of this sacred wedding. Do you know where that wedding took place? What, the underworld? In the cave. Uh, in the cave. Oh, uh, that's amazing. It's always in caves. All of those, um, one of those pictures that we show, uh, all of those beings, all of those, um, uh, the, the, the art that's, that's associated with it, it is always left in caves. Why, why not outside of the cave? Why not, why not somewhere on, you know, big rocks, somewhere visible? It's always in the caves. And and think about it, the, the cave has always been, the association is the womb of the earth. We are born from the womb. So, so we know that there is a portal in, in a woman's womb, right? Which brings the soul through and the child is born. Could there be a way back? Well, obviously not the same way, but is there another way to go through? And in the alchemy... In the feminine alchemy, this is the tradition. This is this is the story that's spoken about. Wow! What, what, can you explain a little bit more? I'm, I'm trying to understand where you're going with this. Like, it's so interesting. But like, how would you? Would you, you said so. The the soul goes through the woman, and that obviously that's the way that's the way the soul comes into the earth. But then you said it could be a way back out through a woman or what well well not 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 through a woman but um you see when you are born right you, you're born through a birth canal and and that is i mean you're coming from a sort of darkness right you're coming from a black hole those caves are dark places those caves are symbolic of the womb of the mother oh, okay. earth yeah yeah okay so so you see and it seems that in the traditions in those prehistoric traditions a lot of things took place a lot of things happen in the cave why what did they know that we don't know think about it think about the the cosmos right what what they're what, what we're being told that the galaxies the the new planets etc what are they born from, born of from black hole right they born from the darkness 
they, they, they are born from some black hole. And what is a cave? You cannot see in because it's dark in there. So it's like a womb. The, the galactic womb is always a black hole. So is that the portal out? That's, that's what the feminine tradition says. That's amazing. That's amazing. Wow. That's, that's really something to ponder on because I, mm -hmm. you know, that, 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 and that makes sense too. That makes, that makes that's wow. Wow. This was amazing. Um, do, 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 do you want to tell everybody where they can find your website and um, all that good stuff? And thank you, by the way, this was very, uh, I always have a great time talking to you and you really uh, did a great, excellent presentation this time. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rob, as well. Um, if uh, anybody would like to um, uh, reach out to me um, because they just feel like perhaps there is something to chat about, just please do find my email at selfmasteryquest.com. I also offer um, astrology readings, but this is a bit of a different um, approach to astrology, um, whereby I don't really see that astrology is necessarily a very good thing for us. The fact that it works is not a good thing. The fact that it works is more like an evidence that something here is predetermined and we are controlled. So what I try to do is I try to empower people and help them find the ways to get out of that construct, get out of that control and um, regain power, regain regain um, control in their own life. I, I, that's amazing. And uh, I, 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 you did a great reading for me too. So I... I uh... <laughs> I, I just I'd, I'd love talking to you this was amazing and uh yeah thank you it's selfmasteryquest.com right that's right that's right all right have a good night thank you so much guys and good night thank you